Well, indeed, Christ is our living hope, and that is to change everything about us, all of our approach to relationships, even even the way we might interact with our siblings. Let me ask you, what, what, what does a good sibling relationship look like? Maybe it looks like not ignoring your sibling, not making fun of them, not pestering your sister or speaking down to your brother. Imagine your sibling has a friend over, and one sibling has such a care and an appreciation for their sibling. They say, you know what? You have a friend over. Let me take over all of your chores today so you can spend more time with your friend. You imagine a sibling functioning like that? Maybe a sibling saying, we're going to play a game with my friends, and we're older, but I want, I want my younger brother to join us and have a good time too. Or maybe they're making a delicious pizza or some brownies, and they can't wait for their brother or their sister to, to get the first one. You know, that's how it should be, right? I know that's not always how it is, but there is supposed to be something special about a, a brotherly, a, a sisterly relationship because... You're connected together in a special way. Your brothers or, or sisters or brothers and sister, you're connected together in a special way because of your, your family. Now, the Lord clearly indicates there's something that connects us in an even more special way than blood and family connections, and that's the gospel of Jesus Christ, our, our living hope that we just we're singing about. And that is to produce in us a a special relationship with our our brothers and sisters in Christ. Relationships that are to bear fruit for the glory of God. Our summer series is Hope for Fruitful Service. If we are rejoicing in our salvation... If we are seeking to faithfully follow Jesus, if we are humbling ourselves before God in everyday situations, we are in a wonderful position to bear fruit for the glory of God. As we've been looking at this summer, 2 Peter 1, 5-7 helps us think about the, the character qualities that we are seeking to produce fruit. 2 Peter 1, 5-7 says, Now for this very reason also, applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence. In your moral excellence, knowledge. In your knowledge, self-control. And in your self-control, perseverance. And in your perseverance, godliness. And in your godliness, brotherly kindness. And in your brotherly kindness, love. Believers are to be increasing and growing, producing fruit in their lives for the glory of God, as verses 8 and 9 indicate, if these qualities are yours, this is the character qualities that you have, and they're increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these qualities is blind or short-sighted, having forgotten his purification from his former sins." So the main idea 
is this living hope. Our, our faith in Christ, our salvation, transforms our lives and, in fact, our relationships. We once were enemies of Christ, but now we are His children. We once were in the, the domain of darkness, but now we've been transferred into the, the kingdom of His beloved Son. We once were dead in our transgressions, but now we are alive to God in Christ. We once were far from God, but now we are citizens of heaven indwelt with the Holy Spirit. And we have this, this great salvation, and we're to build on our faith and supply that which is pleasing to God as we get to know Him more, glorify His name, and, and bear fruit for His glory. We want to grow in our faith, having indicators of a, of a transformed life, moral excellence, wisdom, self-control, godliness, and brotherly kindness. So today, we want to make every effort to add to our faith by producing the fruit of, of brotherly kindness. So what is a brotherly kindness? What does it look like and how can we grow in our faith so we produce brotherly kindness in our relationships? Well, the Greek word is Philadelphia. It means affection for one's fellow believer in Christ, a, a love for one's fellow believer, affection for a fellow believer. Now, of course, the word Philadelphia directs our minds to the city of brotherly love, a historic city filled with rabid sports fans. Philadelphians love their sports, and they will show you brotherly love if you win. If you don't win, they will show you something else. So maybe that's not the perfect example of brotherly love. But there is a wonderful example of mutual affection, of brotherly kindness shown in the Old Testament. In 1 Samuel 18, we're going to look at verses 1 through 9 as we consider David and Jonathan's relationship that is marked with a brotherly kindness that bears fruit to the glory of God. So today, we're going to consider growing in the fruit of brotherly kindness. So let me invite you to open your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 18, and we're going to read the first nine verses. If you need a Bible, there's one under the chair in front of you. If you turn to the, the back section, page 216 in the Old Testament, there you'll find 1 Samuel 18. I want to start in actually 1755 as we lead up to chapter 18 and the nine verses we're going to focus on. Now, by way of context, this is right after David slays Goliath, kills him, sending a stone into his head and then cutting off his head after Goliath had taunted Israel and the armies of the, the living God. David just finishes killing Goliath, and now he's going to stand before Saul and before Jonathan. So please follow along as I read in 1 Samuel 17, starting in 55, going through 18, verse 9. 
Now when Saul saw David going out against the Philistine, he, he said to Abner, the commander of the army, Abner, whose son is this young man? And Abner said, by your life, O king, I do not know. The king said, you, you inquire whose son the youth is. So when David returned from killing the Philistine, Abner took him and brought him before Saul with the Philistine's head in his hand. Saul said to him, whose son are you, young man? And David answered, I am the son of your servant, Jesse the the Bethlehemite. Chapter 18. Now it came about when he had finished speaking to Saul that the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as himself. Saul took him that day and did not let him return to his father's house. Then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was on him and gave it to David with his armor, including his sword and his bow and his belt. So David went out wherever Saul sent him and prospered. And Saul sent him over the men of war, and it was pleasing in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of Saul's servants. It happened as they were coming, uh, when David returned from killing the Philistine, that the women came out, all the cities of Israel, singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tambourines, with joy, and with musical instruments. The women sang as they played and said, Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. And Saul became very angry, for this saying displeased him. And he said, they have ascribed to David ten thousands, but to me they have ascribed thousands. Now what more can he have with the kingdom? And Saul looked at David with suspicion from that day on. With our time this morning, let's look at three ways we can grow in our faith and produce the fruit of brotherly kindness. You see, it starts with knitting your heart to brothers and sisters who are seeking the Lord Notice what the text says in verse 1 of 1 Samuel 18. When he had finished speaking to Saul, this is David, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as himself. There was something Jonathan saw in David that resonated with him that drew them together. Being knit together means you're being bound together, you're tied together. There's something that Jonathan saw in David that he loved because it resonated in Jonathan's heart, and that drew them together. What is to draw us together in in brotherly kindness, in mutual affection for one another is similar. If we're going to bear the fruit of brotherly kindness, it starts with passion for the name of the Lord. Now, in the passage we read, Jonathan witnessed David killing Goliath, and he would have heard everything that David said and how everything David was doing was about the honor of the Lord. Notice some of the things David said that would resonate with people who who love the Lord and are are passionate for His name. 1 Samuel 17, 26. David spoke to the men who were standing by him, saying, What will be done to the man who kills this Philistine and who takes away the reproach from Israel? 
For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should taunt the armies of the living God? Notice what David says then to Goliath. He says, this day the Lord will deliver you into my hands and I will strike you down and remove your head from you and I will give the dead bodies of the armies of the Philistines this day to the birds of the sky, the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know there is a God in Israel and that all this assembly may know that the Lord does not deliver by sword or by spear for the battle is the Lord's and he and he will give you into our hands. What's interesting is that Jonathan heard and saw how David carried himself. And Jonathan actually had done something very similar or said something fairly similar earlier on in 1 Samuel in chapter 14. Jonathan is with his armor bearer, and he decides to go and attack a Philistine garrison by himself. And he says, perhaps the Lord will work for us. And he says to his armor bearer, the Lord is not constrained to to save by by many or a few. In other words, the, the Lord can do what he wishes. He's more powerful than anybody else. Let's go fight these Philistines and trust the Lord. And later he says to his armor bearers, the Lord has given them into our hand. They were supposed to be driving out the Philistines because that's what God had commanded his his people. And, And Jonathan was doing that and David was doing that all with a focus on the name of the Lord. They both had a passion for the Lord that resulted in courage but a humble awareness of we need the Lord to work and deliver us. We're going to put ourselves at risk, but we need the Lord to work for for his namesake so the Lord will be glorified and it wouldn't be all about them. You see, those who are seeking the Lord are also marked with humility that is often shown in serving. The more I read about David, the more I am convinced he was the most theologically astute person in in the room or, or in the field. He's regularly talking about who God is, bringing God into the conversation, thinking about what the Lord is up to. His focus is on God and would honor the Lord. That defined who David was, especially early on in his life. Even though he was a strong young man, He had a passion and a zeal for the Lord, and yet there was this great humility about him. A confident, brave humility that flowed out of his relationship with the Lord. Note what Saul, what he says to Saul before killing Goliath. David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail on account of him. Your your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And notice what he says afterwards. Saul says to him, whose son are you, young man? And David answered, I am the son of your servant, Jesse the Bethlehemite. Now, this isn't a normal verbiage for people talking to each other, but, but David sees himself as a servant. And when he's asked whose son he is, he emphasizes who his father is and his whole family. There are Saul's servants. What would you be like if you just killed Goliath? 
If I just killed Goliath and someone said, hey, who are you? I would say, who am I? I am the guy who just killed the biggest guy here. Let's make t-shirts and let's say I am the, the giant killer. That's who I am. And I'm sure pride would go right before that fall. But just notice what he says. Who are you? Whose son are you? My father's Jesse, and we're your servants. David thinks about himself as a servant, and this fuels his brotherly kindness. This fuels his humility. You can't have brotherly kindness if you don't have a humble heart that wants to serve others, even at cost to yourself. You can't have brotherly kindness if you're not in awe of the one who served you, who's working in your life so that you are in a position to serve others in a humble way and show others brotherly kindness. All that we're talking about today, brotherly kindness can only happen if first, if first you are united to Christ. So then you can be united in in brotherly love to other believers. You have to accept humbly that Jesus came down to, to serve you and give his life to you, to save you. So then, based on that saving relationship where you trust his work on the cross, you can then bear fruit and grow in your faith with a humble dependence on the Lord, and in one of the ways, showing brotherly kindness to others who have a passion for the name of the Lord. And we want to work diligently for God's glory and build on our faith in a way that bears fruit for His glory. And one of the ways we do that is showing brotherly kindness. David recognized that the Lord had delivered him from the hands of lions and bears and Goliath. And David viewed himself as a servant of Saul, but ultimately a servant of the Lord. Now, what separated David and resonated with Jonathan was that David demonstrated a desire to do God's will. Notice in the New Testament a reference back to what David is like. And where his heart is. Acts 13.22 says, After he had removed him, talking about Saul, he raised up David to be their king, concerning whom he also testified and said, I have found David, the, the son of Jesse, a man after my heart, who will do all my will. Notice a person who is aligned with God's heart wants to do what God says. It's not just an, a, an emotional response of appreciation, but there is a response of obedience. Jesus defined true brotherhood as people who were united to do God's will. Notice what Jesus says in Matthew 12, 48. Jesus answered the one who was telling him, said, "'Who is my mother and who are my brothers?' And stretching out his hand towards his disciples, he said, Behold, my mother and my brothers, for whoever does the will of my Father who is in heaven, he is my brother and sister and mother. 
This is why there is such a warning in Scripture for us to not be unequally yoked so that the passion and desires of others don't pull us away from obeying the Lord, but strengthen us in pursuing the Lord. We are commanded in 2 Corinthians 6.14 to not be bound together with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness and lawlessness, or what fellowship has light with darkness? Again, being bound or yoked means you're tied together so that what someone else loves pulls you in that direction. And we are to be wise on what we bind ourselves to so that we can focus on bearing fruit for the glory of the Lord. So if we're going to bear fruit in brotherly kindness, it has to start with cultivating a passion in our heart for the light, for that which pleases God, for what His will says in the Word of God. We need to value serving with humility as we follow Christ, obeying the Lord, not just in, in word, but in deed. And that will be the fertile ground that then produces the fruit of brotherly kindness. And the idea is, when you love the Lord, and you're living for Him, and you want to do His will, and not be overly focused on your will... Other people who are, who are resonating with that will be drawn to you, and you'll be drawn to other people who have that same focus. You see, brotherly kindness is about a mutual affection for one another that's based on who the Lord is and what the Lord wants. Our friendships can't be all about how somebody else makes us feel. Or if somebody else makes us feel important, or accepted, because what often happens is we cling to them like a leech, begging them to make us feel a certain way, in contrast to the mutual affection that comes from you love the Lord and I love the Lord, let's pursue the Lord together and we will get closer and closer and closer with a deeper and deeper appreciation for one another. Because we are getting what we need from the Lord. And then we can strengthen and encourage each other in the Lord. Paul directs Timothy in the church to be thinking about relationships in this way. 2 Timothy 2.22 says, Now flee from youthful lusts. Pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. So as we see the example of David and Jonathan, we're challenged to knit our heart to people who are seeking the Lord so that they influence us and we influence them. Now, the second way that we can grow in brotherly kindness is being faithful in your relationships. We want to learn from David and Jonathan's covenant Notice verses 3 and 4. Again, Saul has taken David in. Saul will not let David go back to his father's house. Whose son is this? Now you're staying in my house. You're not going home. He's bringing him into the family in a sense. And notice what Jonathan, his son, notice what he does. This is amazing. 
Then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was on him and gave it to David with his armor, his sword, his bow, and his belt. What does it mean for the king's son to give his robe, armor, sword, and belt to David? Now, there are not that many swords in Israel. A sword was a big deal. Jonathan has recently, or has previously taken on a garrison. He is the king's son in line to the throne. And he recognizes the Lord is blessing David. The Lord is with David. David has a passion for the Lord. He does not view David as his enemy. Instead, he enters into a covenant with him, into a formal partnership with him. Now, the reality is Jonathan is older than David. He was fighting Philistines and taking on garrisons when David was just a boy. Some commentators suggest that Jonathan may be uh, 30 years older than David, and yet he does not see this young boy as a threat to him. He welcomes him into the family, giving him his princely garments. He loved him, and he welcomed him into the family as a brother and did not see him as a threat, and he made a covenant with him. Later on, that is going to be very, very difficult. And yet that is the basis for how faithful Jonathan's going to be to David and how faithful David is going to be to Jonathan. Notice what they say later on in 1 Samuel 20, 23. As for the agreement of which you and I have spoken, behold, the Lord is between you and me forever. The Lord is binding us together. They took this relationship seriously They had a mission to do. They went to drive out the Philistines. They wanted to obey God. And they entered into a covenant relationship with each other. And they were going to be faithful to that covenant. So we too are to take seriously the covenant relationship we are in. What bonds us together as believers? It's actually stronger than the blood of our family. It's the blood of Christ that makes us part of God's forever family. Luke twenty two twenty, Jesus says now, in the same way he took the cup after they had eaten, he said, this cup which is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. What bonds us together as New Testament believers in Christ is the blood of Jesus Christ. That what bonds us together. You know, I also really love that as a church, we have a church covenant that bonds us together as brothers and sisters. Where we're formally saying, as church members, we want to we encourage each other with good doctrine and support each other to live for the Lord, knowing that we're all going to give an account for the Lord one day, and we want to covenant together and help each other, and strengthen each other, and encourage each other to one day give a good account before our Lord. I want to partner together with my brothers and sisters in Christ for the glory of God. We are called to live this out in practical ways. Romans 12, 10 through 13 says, Be devoted to one another in brotherly love, 
give preference to one another in honor, not lagging behind in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, persevering in tribulations, devoted to prayer, contributing to the needs of the saints, and practicing hospitality. The idea was that David and Jonathan took care of each other, support each other, encourage each other. They were on the same team. When David was exhausted in the wilderness, running from Saul, who was trying to kill him, Jonathan visited, encouraged him in God, and built him up and strengthened him. That relationship strengthened him. And later, when Jonathan had died and Saul had died, One of the things David did was, can you find me someone in the house of Saul that I can show kindness to because of Jonathan? And they found one of Jonathan's sons, Mephibosheth, who was crippled in both feet. And David blessed him. He gave him all the land that Saul owned and had one of his own servants work the land and invited Jonathan's son to eat at his table all because of this bond that he and Jonathan had because the Lord was between them. They cared for each other. They protected each other. They built each other up. We too are to have a fervent love for one another that that supports each other, that builds each other up even when it gets hard. 1 Peter 1.22 says, Since you have, in obedience to the truth, purified your soul for a sincere love of the brethren. This is to be a genuine love. We're supposed to do it fervently, fervently love one another from the heart because of our salvation. For you have been born again, not of seed, which is perishable and imperishable, that is, through the living and enduring Word of God. The Word of God, the truth of the gospel, is to change our relationships especially among believers where we love each other fervently from the heart. We need to recognize that brotherly kindness is especially strengthened in trials and persecutions. Notice how hard it gets for David and how Jonathan still sticks with him. 1 Samuel 23, 17 through 18 Thus he said to him, do not be afraid, because the hand of Saul, my father, will not find you, and you will be king over Israel, and I will be next to you. And Saul, my father, knows that also. So the two of them made a covenant before the Lord, and David stayed at Horish while Jonathan went to his house. Saul is trying to kill David. And this puts Saul's son, Jonathan, in a very, very difficult position. But he chooses David. He chooses to honor the covenant he made. And he sees that David is living for the Lord and Saul is not. It would have been very easy to discard his relationship. That would be easier. But notice Proverbs 18.24. There is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Jonathan chooses to be faithful to the relationship that he committed to because the basis of that relationship was a passion and a love for the Lord and brotherly kindness stays committed 
even when it gets difficult. So what might that look like in our context? What happens if one of your coworkers takes a stand for the Lord? And now when they come to work, no one talks to them. People part like the Red Sea. Don't want to be associated with them. They might, might be afraid. They might be treated badly. Do you still go and talk to them? Do you strengthen them? Do you identify yourself with them? Another example might be, what if you have a friend and your friend is going through an incredibly difficult trial? Maybe their spouse sins against them and leaves them. Do you now avoid your friend because he or she is going through a really incredible trial and they're surrounded by difficulty and uncertainty? Or do you bear the fruit of brotherly kindness when it's difficult and uncomfortable and you're not sure what to do, but you want to show brotherly kindness and stay faithful to that relationship? What if you're at school and a person chooses to be modest and not conform to the cultural pressure to use your body or your looks to get people's attention? Do you ostracize them because they're not cool? Or do you show the fruit of brotherly kindness and connect yourself to them because they are seeking to live for the Lord? The summer between my middle school and high school year, um, I was not a believer I trusted Jesus the sophomore, summer of my sophomore year of college. And I was going to be a freshman. And uh, there was um, a kid in my class who loved Jesus. And his mom called my mom that summer and wanted to set up a play date. And I'm going to be a freshman in high school. And I said, oh, a what? <laughs> and um, I look back on my relationships and this young man who loved Jesus and I did not love Jesus. And I had no time for this, this young man. Probably, I, there's no way to know. Probably would have been one of the best, faithful, encouraging friends I would have ever had. And I was not a man after God's own heart. And so someone who also, or who did love Jesus, was not appealing to me. And I often think back on all the relationships that were not focused on the Lord and consider that one young man who loved Jesus. And I think it's such an encouragement to us to value godliness, to value what the Lord values, and let that bring our relationships together because it's going to lead us towards the Lord. Now, the third aspect of how we can grow in brotherly kindness is celebrate your brother's growth and blessing. Notice Saul's response to David and Jonathan's response to David. In verses 5 through 9, it says, So David went out wherever Saul sent him and prospered. And Saul set him over the men of war. And it was pleasing in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of Saul's servants. It happened as they were coming when David returned from killing the Philistine that the women came out of all the cities of Israel singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tambourines, with joy, and with musical instruments. The women sang as they played and said, Saul has slain his thousands, David his ten thousands. I don't know how to sing that, but I'm sure you guys don't want me to sing that anyways. But, but that was the song. Then Saul became very angry, 
for this saying displeased him. And he said, they have ascribed to David ten thousands, but to me they've ascribed thousands. Now what more can you have but the kingdom? And Saul looked at David with suspicion from that day on. Saul initially loved David, and he brought him into his house. But as soon as David started getting more shine, then Saul, that changed. Instead of thinking, wow, look how the Lord is blessing. Look how the Lord is blessing, and we are defeating our enemies and driving out the Philistines, and we are doing what we're supposed to be doing as a people, obeying God. He begins to look sideways at David and devise ways to get him killed by hand of the Philistines. Brotherly kindness is very different. Brotherly kindness rejoices with those who rejoice. It's been said that it's much harder to handle a friend's success than a friend's failure because our hearts tend to be jealous and covetous. But when we focus on the gospel, all that we have in Christ, there ought to be a thankfulness and a contentment where we can then add to our faith in a way that bears fruit One of the ways we bear the fruit of brotherly kindness is making sure we avoid jealousy when the Lord is blessing others. Notice, Saul was even more afraid of David, and thus Saul was not David's son. Saul was David's enemy continually. And notice how Jonathan even spoke well of David to Saul. He associated himself with David. He said, do not let the king sin against the servant David since he's not sinned against you and since his deeds have been very beneficial to you. When things are going well for someone else, we want to build them up in the Lord. If someone is, is doing well in their marriage, we don't say just wait. We say praise the Lord for how he's working. I pray you continue to pursue the Lord with joy. This is hard for kids Maybe if they see one sibling get ice cream and they didn't get ice cream that day. How do you celebrate someone else getting a blessing and you don't get a blessing? You hear someone give a testimony of how God is working in their life. We want to avoid being critical and avoid saying, I wish God was working and using me like that. We want to encourage others in the Lord and rejoice That what bonds us together is having the same purpose. Notice, David was prospering in all his ways, for the Lord was with him. When Saul saw that he was prospering greatly, he dreaded him. But all Israel and Judah loved David, and he went out and came in before them. The Lord was with David, just like Joseph. The Lord was giving things into David's hands. But David's purpose was for the Lord to be glorified. And Jonathan and David had that same purpose. We too are to live with purpose. And that together helps us have a brotherly kindness for one another. Because it sends a message. It sends a message and helps us love our neighbors even more effectively. John 13, 34 says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, 
that you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have a, a love for one another. We are to be united in purpose. I want to show others my God. I want to show them who I follow. And I want to treat other followers of Christ in a way that shows what Christ-like love looks like so it's enticing and so I can draw others who don't know the Lord into this wonderful relationship with Christ and with other followers of Christ. Paul says that what unites us is Christ. Philippians 2 says, Therefore, if there's any encouragement in Christ, any consolation of love, any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose... Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Brotherly kindness flows out of viewing other people as more important than yourself because the Lord is ultimately your focus and what binds you together. So brotherly kindness starts with a passion for the name of the Lord wants to humbly serve in the name of the Lord, knowing His will is more important than my will. And that means I am committed to my relationships in Christ when they are going great and my friend is being blessed or my friend is going through trial and difficulty and uncertainty. I want to stick close, close, closer than a brother. And I want to bear the fruit of brotherly kindness because it shows others They get to see that, what the love of Christ looks like and how delightful it is when brothers and sisters dwell in unity together for the glory of the Lord. Let's let's pray to that end, shall we? Lord, help us to have an intense, focused passion for your name. Lord, help us to have great humility but great courage to serve even when it is uncomfortable and even when it means we put ourselves at risk. Lord, help us to be wise in who we knit our hearts to and how we cultivate deep relationships that strengthen and encourage us to stay focused on the mission of bearing fruit for your glory and your namesake. Lord, help us to stay committed in our relationships when our our brothers and sisters are blessed by you and used by you in mighty ways. And Lord, help us stay committed to our brothers and sisters when they go through deep trials, when there's brokenness, pain, and uncertainty, and hardship that impacts us too. Lord, help us to celebrate what you are doing in the lives of our brothers and sisters, and help us draw others towards you in a way that shows the special love of Christ, all to the praise and glory of your name. Amen.